0: You know, my degree at Howard Payne was a Bachelor of Arts in Christian Studies with a specialization in Bible and a minor in practical theology. That's not what I wanted, but it's what I ended up with. Um, I started HPU as a transfer student. Um, I had gone to Weatherford College for about a year and a half. My dad had his wreck, and I had dealt with family issues, so I, I transferred into Howard Payne as a, a late sophomore, early junior, and they wanted to—they uh, wanted me to go through all that that initiation stuff. But I already thought I was an old man at that point, so I wasn't crawling through all that nasty stuff that they do with the gauntlet and everything. That wasn't going to happen. So the first year went okay, and I uh, got my cool courses done. It was fine. Um, I was going to be the first person. I was on track quickly to become the first person in my family to graduate college. And then I went in the next, that spring. uh, I was a little late getting the registration because of uh, some things with my dad. And I sat down to get my classes registered. And the one class that I needed as a prerequisite for everything in my major was full and it wouldn't be offered again for an entire year. So I would have to wait until the next fall to take it. And so, I almost gave up. I said, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's worth it to me to go through this because I think my bachelor's degree usually, I don't know how many hours a bachelor's degree has been offered off the top of your head, 115, 20. 120 hours, almost like 145 hours. Because I had to take an entire year of extra stuff before I could take the course I needed to take all the rest of my courses. And so that's why I ended up with this huge degree that uh, I really didn't want. And it cost me a little bit more money than I wanted it to, too. It took a whole year of of nothing but fluff classes, really. Um, But it became my minor. I wanted my specialization to be Bible, and so it became my minor as practical theology. Uh, I was going to get a minor in something else, but that didn't work out. Um, but I had this goal, and I worked at it, and I stuck to it, and I did graduate. Um, you know, it, took me, it took me about eight years to get a four-year degree, <laughs> but I worked at
1: it. I graduated high school in
0: 95, and I graduated my bachelor's degree in 2003. It took a long time, but a lot of things happened in my life. And during those times, those times that I was stretched, those times that all these things happened, I found myself several times wanting to say, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, especially when there for the last little bit of, uh, (laughs) or the last two years of my degree, I mean, I was already pastoring a church. I was like, I don't need my degree. I can just stop. But something about that goal had me keep going on and going with it. There's something about all those things that happen that when you have this idea of where you're supposed to be, that you keep going at it no no matter what, no matter how bad the times get. And Paul, in our text this morning, talks about something similar there in Philippians chapter 3. He talks about the goal. He talks about what it's like for a believer in, in our life and how to be successful In living the Christian life. And so this morning, as we pick up here in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, is where we find ourselves. Paul is uh, coming to the end of Philippians, honestly. He has already told them lots of things. Philippi, if you don't realize, it was probably one of his favorite churches. I mean, they were, it was like you had the good church, Philippi, and the bad church, Corinth. I mean, it was just, those were the churches, and this was one of his favorite churches. And so he is, he is giving them this encouragement there starting in verse 12. And it says, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call In Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son to die for us. And we ask all of these things this morning in his name. And all God's people Amen. You know, so this is one of those, if you read Paul's writings enough, Paul's always talking about racing. He's always talking about working out. He's always talking about reaching forward and doing these things. And, and this is that uh, text that came to me this week. Uh, I had several texts, and I'll be honest, if this sermon's bad this morning, it's Carrie's fault. <laughs> because I sat her in my office and I said, here are the four texts that I'm bringing over. She said, I like that one, so I'll leave it up to her. Uh, But it is that one that stirs you. You know, you see those sports movies where the coach or the player gets up there and they give that speech. You know, that speech that makes you want to go, yes. ooh. or Independence Day. Everybody seen the movie Independence Day with the aliens? One of my favorite speeches in cinema history is the one the president gives him that. You know, we will not go quietly into the night. Man, I'm like, "Mm, this is Paul. Paul's sitting here saying, okay, guys, here's where it is. I'm not perfect. I'm not fully mature. This is Paul saying this. I'm not there. But I make every effort to take hold of it. I make every effort to be there. And so when we look at this text, there are several things that we can find about living a successful Christian life. And the first is you must know your goal. If you don't have your goal, if you don't know your goal, if you don't understand what you're striving for, guess what, you're probably not going to get there. We don't reach our goals by accident. When I began at Howard Payne, I had a goal, or two goals. To finish and be the first person in my in my family to graduate college, but also I wanted to be faithful to Jesus and what he had called me to. I had these goals. And they pushed me on. The problem is, so many people have this life as a Christian and they don't have a goal in mind. I've walked an aisle. I've said a prayer. I've accepted Jesus. And then I'm jiggly-jaggly all around. I like that. I'm sure you're using that, buddy. And then I'm just jiggly-jaggly. I don't have a goal in mind. I have walked an aisle i have said a prayer i have accepted jesus and then i am jiggly jaggly all around i like that i am sure using that buddy and then i am just jiggly jaggly i do not have a goal in mind i do not know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I got wet. And they said, you're good. The rest of your life is fine because you know Jesus now. There's a half-truth there a little bit, I believe. I believe there's more to the Christian life than simply getting wet. I think we are called to much more. We must know our goal. Now, some goals that we'll have will all be the same. Perfection in Christ. That's a goal every believer should have. We should strive, as Paul said, to take hold of it, to grab onto it, to be a part of it. So many people want to use the excuse, well, I'm just human. Guess what? So is Jesus. Oh. I had a professor ask me a question in undergrad, and he said, did Jesus do the miracles by virtue of his humanity or by virtue of his deity? Because what he said was, Jesus, Shows us what it means to be fully human. And the rest of us on some levels are subhuman. Ooh. So when we say, well, I'm only human, so... Jesus was human too. He was 100% completely human. You know, and, and we see in His temptations... We talked about this a few Wednesday nights ago. In His temptations, we see the one thing He was tempted to do there was to use His divinity as they one up, turn these rocks into bread. Throw yourself down from the temple. Show people who you are, use your divinity, Jesus and people will follow. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. He didn't use his divinity, as something that helped him along and so we know that one of our goals is perfection in Christ we are to reach out for that we are to say okay just because I'm human doesn't mean I can just say well it really doesn't matter I need to strive to be the person that God has called me to be he literally says at least two times in scripture be perfect as your holy father is perfect and I read that sometimes and I go oh my goodness Jesus who are you talking to not me No, I'm talking to you. I want you to strive for that perfection, to be the person that I have called you to be and to live your life in that way. You have to know your goal. One of our goals is the resurrection of the dead, right? Resurrection from the dead. That's a goal that I have. Paul says it over and over again. He says, well, when that day comes. Why does he say that? Well, he's assured of his salvation. But the truth of the matter is, until I die, I don't know. Until I die and i wake up. It's not sight yet. It's just faith. And so we have this goal of resurrection from the dead. We have this goal that says, this is who I'm going to be. I am going to put my life out there. And so Carrie and I had a discussion back years ago about death uh, and what's going to happen when we die. And uh, I told her, because of the position that I'm in, I can't see myself being cremated. And she said, but it's cheaper. Well, yes, it's cheaper. See how much she loves me, right? But it's cheaper. I want a pocket. Yes, it's cheaper. And I'm not saying it's not a viable option for everybody because we serve a God who can do what God's going to do. But for me, as someone who is called to present the gospel with my entire life, I don't know that cremation paints a picture of the resurrection from the dead as well as burials. Because when Paul talks about that, what he say? A seed is planted and it grows up. And I'm like, you know, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably say, yeah, it's cheaper. It's cremation for me because I believe in a God who's that powerful. But I believe my whole life needs to focus towards that. That's one of my goals. One of the goals that God has set upon me. And so I want to, with every living breath that I have and with a few breaths afterwards, I want to keep talking. I tell Carrie I'm going to preach my own view. <laughs> I'm going to videotape me. It's going to be up there and they're going to go, hey guys, how are you doing? You know, it's, I, I, there is so much message in the word that I don't know that I'm going to have enough time in the breath that I have. i want to get some more out there. We have to have a goal as individuals. We have to have a goal as churches. The churches all should have one goal, the Great Commission. That's our goal. That's what we should be striving toward. We shouldn't be striving toward being a country club. We should be striving toward being a hospital. A place for the sick, a place for the hurting, a place for those who have lost their way in the world. That is what the church's goal should be. We should be those individuals. But you may have a different goal. God may have called you to somewhere else too. You have the goals of perfection. You have the goals of resurrection from the dead. But maybe God has called you into something else. Maybe yours is a ministry of some sort that God has said, this is yours. This is your goal. Everybody watch Parking Wars? I don't know, it's coming to my head this morning. Parking Wars, you ever seen Parking Wars? It's about the Philadelphia Transportation Authority and the people who do the parking tickets. And there was one lady today, she's the meanest woman I've ever seen, I guess. She said, my goal today is 30 tickets. No, That's so mean. Why are you looking at out tickets? But she had a goal. And she got 29. It's our goal. God may give you a goal. Something different. He may call you to ministry. He may call you to missions. He may call you to love on people around you in a way that someone else isn't. You never know. But we have to know our goal if we're going to meet our goal. That's the first thing we see here. The second thing is... We have to quit looking toward the past. Now, this is normally where we say, forget your failures. It doesn't matter where you came from because God will love you. And that's true. But Paul didn't qualify the statement, forgetting what is behind, with the negative things. Paul said, forgetting what is behind. That's the successes and the failures. We all know that guy who was in high school. He was the star, and he's forty-five years old, and he's still the high school star, right? I mean, I know this isn't a movie that we should talk about in church, but anybody ever seen the movie *Dazed and Confused*? Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. That's this guy, right? He's still a high school star. He's still the one that everybody looks at. He's still living on his successes in the past. Churches do that. Remember when old so and so did such and such. Old so and so is not here anymore. The people in the town aren't the same as they used to be. But we, we find ourselves in that trap sometimes, right? We want to hold on to our successes. And I've been in multiple churches that were that way, that were just like, if we could just get back to where we used to be. If if I'm in New York, pray for me first, but if I'm in New York and I'm trying to go to Los Angeles, I don't do that by driving east. I do that by driving west. If I'm in church body and I'm looking to fill the Great Commission, I don't do that by saying what's always worked for me. I pray about it and say, God, what do you want us to do now? Where are we going to go now? We have to forget about all of those things in the past because the problem is they don't count anymore. Carrie was in my uh, boot camp group at Howard Payne. And... uh, You don't know what boot camp is. Boot camp is freshman orientation. So I orientated her pretty well (laughs) We came, and I had one lesson the first day of boot camp. And I went, and there was one of those guys. He's the senior stud. And I would say, so tell me what you did in high school. Or tell me who you are. Or tell me who you are. And everybody else was like, well, I'm this person that person. But then when we got to this guy, he started telling me about all the things he had done in high school. And I said, it doesn't matter what you did in high school. This is college, this is something different. My favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, is The Lion King. I watched The Lion King. I like Rafiki, The Little Baboon. My favorite scene. Shit, knows where I'm going. My favorite scene is he went and he, he he finds Simba. Remember, he Simba, and he finds Simba, and he's walking along and he's talking to Simba about the things that had happened. And Simba's just all depressed because he's killed his father. Blah 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 blah, and Rafiki hits him on the head with his stick, and Simba goes, "What was that for?" He says, "It doesn't matter. It's in the past." <laughs> that it doesn't matter. Let go of what's back there. Successes, failures. Right? Lot's wife, the angels say, Go. Get out of here. We're going to destroy it. Don't look back. And she's like, She becomes a pillar of salt. Man, we can't look back at what's going on. We can't look toward the past to move forward. We're always finding people in movies who are trying to get away while looking behind. You know, horror movies are the worst. Don't stay in the house. Just run, stupid. Don't hide in the closet. There's nowhere to get out. You go. You don't look back. That's the issue. We always are looking back. How can we do this? How can we get back there? It doesn't matter what happened back then. In an individual life, in a church life, in a community life, what happened back then doesn't really matter. It matters what's moving forward. It doesn't matter how bad I was back then. It doesn't matter that I was a jerk, that I was a louse, that, that I did things I shouldn't do. Jesus saved me. He sanctified me. I'm here. That's what matters. And he has a path for us to go forward. We have to put looking toward the past. But then he says, we have to strain toward the future. He doesn't say live in the future. He says strain towards the future. Anybody ever run a race? It's been a long time since I ran anything, but when you run a race, there's forward momentum. I went to high school with a guy who, he was a running back, and it was amazing to watch him run, because when he ran, I swear his lower body was going faster than his upper body, (laughs) because he was kind of leaned back like this, and his legs were just going, and you were thinking, I think his top is trying to catch up to his bottom. Because there was forward momentum. His legs were straining toward the goal. So many of us, when we run, we run top-heavy. So we're straining toward the goal. We're supposed to be straining forward. Not looking back. How many of you have ever done this? Walking through the house. Somebody says something to you, you look back and <laughs> run into the door. When we're looking back and not straining forward, we run into things. We find ourselves in situations we don't need to be there. We're not supposed to be always focused on there. We're supposed to have our goals there. We're supposed to know where we're going. We're supposed to know that eternity that the eternity that we're seeking is there. We're supposed to know that's there for us and for our neighbors. That's what we're trying to get to. We're straining for that. Straining for the future. Straining to get there. Trying with all my might. And not looking back while I do it. We don't drive a car while looking in the back seat. At least we're not supposed to. (laughs) But I love what he says here that I pursue my goal. We must run the race in the present. He doesn't say I pursue. He doesn't say I will pursue. He says I pursue We have to run our race in the present. We have to be here, in the here and now. We have to be in the moment. We cannot reach our goal in the future if we're not racing now. (laughs) The tortoise and the hare. Of course, I think the one that I watched when I was little is now no longer appropriate, I guess it's not politically correct, because it had a rare rare rabbit and all those people. But anyway, the tortoise and the hare, right? The hare knows he's going to win. And he's the fastest animal there is. But the tortoise still says, I'll race you. And the tortoise wins. Why? Because he has his eye on the goal. He's straining towards the future. And he continues on. But the rabbit, he kept stopping. He kept waiting. He wasn't racing in the present. He was sitting in the present. The problem with believers who were not racing the race in the present... Is we're not making any progress. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. Jesus told the disciples he would make them fishers of men. He's called us to do something, to have active faith. We accomplish nothing living in the past. We accomplish nothing living in the future. We can only make gains today, yesterday, and tomorrow don't count. How many of us have done this? I'll be the first one who says. I need to go on a diet. I'll start tomorrow. Or I'll start Monday. I well, you know I got Saturday and Sunday and we got to do things, so I'll start Monday. And I didn't eat good yesterday anyway, so I, I, I'll start the next day. We don't make gains toward our goal if we're always putting off the running of the race. Yesterday doesn't count. If I ate the best, Calorie intake I wanted to eat of my life yesterday, but I ate 19,000 calories today. Yesterday doesn't count. It doesn't matter. We have to run our race in the present. You know, David Jeremiah said, we need to live in the present with I Am. God's name that He gives to Moses is what I Am. That's a present tense thing. I am. Not I was. Not I will be, but I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. It's a present tense name. He wasn't just the God of the past, He's the God of the present, and He's the God of the future. He's the God of all three. But He lives with us here, in the here and now. We're supposed to live and run our race in the present. And we have to run our race today so that we can be rewarded tomorrow. And that's where we're at. So many of us spend our time looking for <laughs> easy answers. How many of us have cooking gadgets in our kitchen that we absolutely never use? That we bought. Because somebody said this will make it so much easier. (laughs) see some elbow going on. I mean. My mom's house was a collection of gadgets. And. I would look at them and go. What is this? Well they told me. Who told you? Well the people on TV. Oh okay. And she had this collection. Of things she would never use again. So often, we want the Christian life to be that way.
1: Well, if I just
0: read this book and follow what it says, I'll have the perfect prayer life. If I just read this book and do what it says, my church will grow to be the size of Saddleback out in California. If I just just pray this prayer, God will bless me with money and all my worries will go away. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we must run the race. <laughs> um, I don't know a lot of people who enjoy racing. I mean, running the race. You might enjoy getting behind a car wheel in a race, and I can do that all day long. I've known a few who absolutely love to run a race. And they'll run 27 miles and never break a sweat. And they love doing it. Good for them. For the rest of us, we go, you want me to run how far? But I think it's interesting that Paul uses the terminology of pursuing, of racing, doing these things. Because he's not saying it's going to be easy. There's not a quick fix. There's not a way that if we just, it will just. That's not the way it works. We're called to run the race in the present. Straining toward the future. Forgetting the past. Always knowing the goal for which we're living. That's a successful Christian life. Maybe this morning you have been like Brer Rabbit and you're laying in the briar patch, watching the world go by. It's time to stop. It's time to get up. And it's time to run the race. Maybe this morning, you've been running the race and you're finding yourself tired. You're not alone. God is there and he sent people to run alongside you, to hold you up. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is Moses at that battle. As long as he holds his arms up, they're winning. When they go down, they're not winning. Have you ever held your arms up for a long time? That hurts. But what happens is he has two come along and hold his arms up for you. We're not meant to run the race alone. That's the key. We're not meant to run the race alone. There's a video that I'm wishing I would have downloaded now so we could play it, but I didn't, of a father and son. The son is disabled, and he cannot do these things. But Dad carries him through triathlons, through these races, so that his son can experience something he couldn't experience on his own. You don't have to run the race alone. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this one you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want him his mind. It's easy. You just walk down the aisle and sit over there, try and try we'll to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But whatever you're at, wherever you're needed, give it to him with your pray, for me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you. For your